Good morning, good morning, good morning. Welcome to the episode of Hard File Radio. Appreciate you for tuning in today. It is Monday, May 10th. Appreciate you for spending some time here. Uh, this is our first week back at daily uploads um, and daily recordings for Hard File Radio since the start of COVID. So super excited about that. It's Monday, five shows a week, new week. Let's get started. Let's start with this. We've, I feel like the common fan has been trained to believe that it's all or nothing, right? Like your team is either in contention with the NBA finals and contention with a Super Bowl, or your team is basically just like, it's the worst team in the world. They're competing for number one draft pick. Like we just are, it's been trained. The media has been training us to think your team is either great or your team ain't shit, Right. And then I was watching yesterday's game, the Knicks and Clippers, and I saw a bunch, and I was going back and forth. I was watching the game. I was watching some people on Twitter, and everybody on Twitter was talking about the Knicks, how hard this team plays, how fun it is to watch them. You just can't hate on this Knicks team. The Knicks aren't going to win a title. The Knicks aren't in championship contention. But we all were watching that game and everybody loved watching the Knicks. The Clippers are in championship contention and no one was talking about them. The Clippers had the best, arguably the two best players on the floor. No one was talking about them. We're talking about the Knicks. The team that was fun to watch. The team that was competing. The team that was exciting. The team that was energetic. Because why? Because no matter how much mainstream sports media is essentially trying to dog walk you into thinking your team, it's either championship or bust, or it's not worth talking about, the reality is fans love hope. Fans love excitement. Fans love a team, to steal a line from Tony, fans love teams that are just fun to watch. You could have a title contending team, but if they're not fun to watch, you have something that's resembling of the last year Clippers. Fans want to be entertained. Fans want to be excited about their team. I've watched Denver the past six years, and even when I've thought we've had good teams, even if it hasn't played out that way, it hasn't been exciting to watch. They can't get over 20 points. This Knicks team, they play. They have new coach, new star player. They're fun. They're exciting. They play hard. The Clippers, are, the Clippers have an actual chance to win the title. No one was talking about them. We're not, everything in sports is not just championship or bust. It's not just, oh, I'm rooting for the Lakers or I'm rooting for the Sixers or 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 it just doesn't matter. It's not how it goes. There is different routes to getting to a place where your fan base is not only content, but your fan base is satisfied and then more so. This happens with teams and this happens with players. I brought up um earlier that, or sorry, a few years ago when it happened, Trey Young and Luka Doncic, when they got drafted, 
perfect situations. Both fan bases satisfied. Trey Young fits in with the culture of Atlanta, the city, and the basketball team. And Luka fit in with Dallas. It doesn't matter who scores more points. It doesn't matter who has better stats, who wins more MVPs, more titles. Both of those teams got the player that satisfies and gives their teams and their cities hope and excitement. And that's what this Knicks team is doing right now. The last great, if you want to call it, the last great Knicks team is that 2013 team with Melo. That was a better team, more talented, chance to compete for a title, better, a better lead player, Carmelo Anthony versus Julius Randle. And I would still argue Knicks fans that are watching this team, they're having more fun watching this team, even than they did watch the 2013 team. We don't have to be... We're told we're we're just best, we're taught that oh you need this this and this to be happy. People tell you all the time, ah uh, you need you know you grow up you need to get a house you need to get a nice car you need to get a. You don't, not to be happy. Enjoy where you live, enjoy who you live with, enjoy your job. It doesn't matter if your house is a seventeen room mansion. Or a one-bedroom studio. If you enjoy who you live with, it doesn't matter if your partner is Halle Berry. If your partner is, I don't know, a lot of real big celebrity guys, but insert whoever your dream guy is for all the girls listening. It doesn't matter if whoever they are, if you're happy with them and they're happy with you, it doesn't matter if your car is a 2021 BMW or if you've got an 06 Honda Accord. If it's if you're satisfied, you're happy, you're content, you'll have far more excitement in your life. You'll have far more appreciation in your life, far more satisfaction in your life. And that's what this Knicks team is. They're not the new fast, shiny car. They're not the super big house with all the rooms. They're not you married to the quote-unquote person in your dreams. The fictional person in your dreams. They are excitement. They are contentment. They are satisfaction. And Knicks fans having more fun this season and enjoying this season more than some of the top title teams. Milwaukee's got a better record. Milwaukee fans aren't enjoying the season as much as Knicks fans are. Sixers fans, they're a title contender. They're not enjoying their fans aren't enjoying this season as much as Knicks fans are. The Nets and Lakers, they're supposed to be the top two title teams. They both got injuries. Fans are watching TV every day, and you got different talking heads bickering, saying, oh, well, can LeBron get healthy? Can AD get healthy? Is Kevin Durant gonna be healthy? James Harden. Where's Kyrie? Like, they're not enjoying this. So who is really enjoying their season more than Knicks fans? And they're not a title team. Shout out to the Knicks. Like, just round round of applause, shout out to the Knicks. D-Rose, Julius Randle, Tom Thibodeau, the culture they've built in New York. This is a win for basketball. 
And this is such a win. It's not even the cliche, oh, the NBA is better when the Knicks are good, or oh, the NFL is better than the Cowboys are good. No, this is just an enjoyable team to watch, even if you're not a Knicks fan. Clippers-Knicks, Sunday, Sunday basketball. The world's watching that game, and they're talking about the New York Knicks, not the Los Angeles Clippers, who's the actual title team. Congrats to the Knicks. They should be celebrated. Let's transition from there to something that is kind of a misconstrued truth about, oh, you've got the best team or you've got the best players. Uh, you're always going to win the title. That's just not true. Now, if you have the best player or best group of players, it's a very good chance you get to a title. Yes. And it's a very good chance in the NBA you win at least one. But that's not how the NBA that's not how NBA teams are built. NBA teams are built to have four or five year runs, get three or four titles, and just hope you can kind of keep the band together, see what happens, and depending on the what level of pantheon of greatness you your guys are determines how many titles you can get. But that's still not a guarantee. The only guarantee you could argue is Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen. They went to six finals. They went 6-0. Real generic, right? If I told you in 2002, the Lakers are going to win six or seven titles, you would have said, yeah, of course they are. They got Kobe. No one can stop Shaq. It's the Lakers. They always get good free agents. Who, who, who the fuck's going to stop this team? Three titles, and then it all blows up, including the 4 finals where they got embarrassed by the Pistons. Okay. The San Antonio Spurs had three Hall of Famers, four if you want to count. David Robinson didn't really play with Ginobili and Parker, but a span of 15 years, 20 years, four Hall of Famers. Never won back-to-back. Okay. Okay. The Boston Celtics had Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce, Ray Allen, Rondo, Kendrick Perkins, and 08, first year together, win a title. Favorites to go into the next year. One title. Kobe Bryant and Pau Gasol, back-to-back titles. Who's going to stop them? Kobe has a league MVP. Kobe just won back-to-back titles. He's got Pau Gasol, Andrew Bynum. The, it's the Lakers, free agents. No more titles after 2010. LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, and Chris Bosh. Two of four. Steph Curry and the Warriors. That might be the greatest team I think I've ever seen. Three and two. There is no and, and why do all and why do what do all these things have in common? Injuries. Find an example where injuries didn't take part. Shaq was breaking down towards the end of the Lakers run. As great as he was, and he was still put up another great two years in Miami. Shaq was breaking down due to injuries. In I'm sorry, in that Miami team, Dwayne Wade started to break down injuries. 
the Celtics, older, some injuries, nagging injuries, start trading guys away. The Warriors, you, you saw the last NBA Finals the Warriors were in. No KD. Clay goes down. It was basically Steph and a bunch of guys who had not played really consistent minutes all year. Him and uh, him and Andre Iguodala, if you want to go there. Then a bunch of guys who were not supposed to be in that position. And now we've got this year, which a lot of people are saying the most wide open we've had the NBA in a while. And it's only wide open because LeBron James is injured. Now, LeBron's probably the most consistent, besides Mike and Scottie Pippen, that LeBron and a top five player gets you to the finals. A LeBron and an a, and a above average all-star, we'll say that, right? Like an all-NBA guy. LeBron and Kyrie, LeBron and D-Wade, um, LeBron and Anthony Davis. That, that's good enough to get you to the NBA finals. So LeBron's hurt. Anthony Davis is having not his best season by far for his own standards and which his, his standards are greatness. And that's what we measure him by. So by his own standards, definitely not a great season. This is how you get wide open in parity is because none of these things are set in stone that, Oh, I've got these two players or oh, I've got, these three players, I'm just gonna win. I'm just gonna win multiple, multiple titles. They don't last that long. And as soon as you start getting injuries, that's it. The amount of for sures in the NBA that, oh, we have these two guys. Oh, we have this team. We're gonna win title after title after title. There's no for sures. And even when you've got those, Kobe and Shaq in 04. Even when we got those, what we thought the 2016 Warriors were, 72 wins. Even when you have those, the Heat with LeBron, D-Wade, and Chris Bosh, and they made it to the NBA Finals their first year against a Mavericks team with one superstar. When you've got those, there's still no for sures. There is no, I'm in the Finals, I'm winning it. Or, I'm here, I'm getting to the Finals, and I'm winning. That is, it's almost never existed in the NBA, outside of, you could argue, Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen. That's it. There is no for sures. Would I put money on the Lakers and Nets? Of course. Because I think they have the most collection of talent and guys who have been there. But there is no for sure. The Lakers get in a playing game, and then, hell, you're basically playing NFL rules. One game and you're out. Two games and you're out. The Nets give up 140 points a game for a series and does not shoot well. You're out. We don't have for sure's in the NBA. We're just trained and told that we do. Hey, man, it is a Monday. We are back to five days a week. Um, Coming up after the break. We're going to talk a little bit about Aaron Rodgers. We're going to give you guys my way too early NFL top five. Um, please stick around. Also, the something only I would understand for today. Uh, if you are a baseball person, you should stick around for it. This is Hard Far Radio. We'll be back momentarily. 
welcome back. This is Hard File Radio. Appreciate you for joining us today. So, there's a couple of things that um, I want to address here with the Aaron Rodgers story. There's two very important lessons that my grandfather used to always talk about when running a business. The first one was pay the staff before you pay the light bill. When you have a company, your company does not work without your employees. Fun fact. And unless, and especially once you get to a position of management and a position where you can delegate and you're not doing the day-to-day anymore, you want to pay the guys who are doing the day-to-day because if they're not happy, satisfied doing the day-to-day, guess who's got to do it? And people have this real funny thing about If they're not getting paid, either getting paid at all or paid what they think, they leave. And now you have no staff. And now you have no people that you can delegate things to. Now you have no people that will do the day-to-day. Whereas your light bill, you could get extensions on, you could pay later, blah, blah, blah. There's, it's, the lights will, your staff will walk out before they'll turn your lights off. Pay the staff. The second thing is, when you hire someone, and he had a business where he was, essentially he was hiring mostly males, um, although this does work both ways, if you hire a girl then it involves their husband, when you hire someone, when you hire a guy, you are also hiring his wife. Now how does this apply to Aaron Rodgers? Well, when it comes to pay the staff before you pay the lights... What is Aaron Rodgers' biggest complaint then? It's not his own money. He got paid. He got a nice contract. But Aaron Rodgers has complained at several different times. The Packers won't get this guy. The Packers cut this player. Um, the Packers won't spend money in free agency. The Packers won't. It's, it's, it's the players that they are putting on that team. He's looking around, and he's saying, even if you don't think that Seattle's done necessarily the best job with Russ, he's looking at what they've done for Russ. He just came off a season where he lost to Tom Brady, and he saw what the Buccaneers did for Tom Brady. They're paying the staff. They're ensuring the guys around him are quality. They're ensuring the guys around him are up to his standard and up to championship-level performance. Now, Green Bay is not a huge market. So while they do have a couple guys, Devontae Adams, David Batiari, if I'm saying it, I always mess up his name, who they've paid, and they've also had several players they've let go or not pursued, pay the staff. Secondly, You hire his wife. When you hire a guy, you hire his wife. I'm a huge Broncos fan. And on Tuesday, we'll get more into team stuff. Um, But I don't want to just come in here back to daily. I don't want to come in here and just drown you with a bunch of Denver stuff. But on Tuesday, we will. Why were the Broncos the first team that popped up? Like Aaron Rodgers threw a couple teams out there. And why was, but why was Denver the first one 
that all of the analysts went to, that all of the stories went to, why would it be the Broncos? The Broncos, to, to exclude my fandom, the Broncos haven't been relevant since 2015, maybe early 2016. Why would Aaron Rodgers want to go there? Why would Aaron Rodgers want to go to a, to the Denver Broncos who play in a division with Justin Herbert and Patrick Mahomes and Derek Carr? Why would he want to do that? He has a division with the Lions, who are going to be awful, the Vikings, who they're trying to figure out if Kirk Cousins now can get him back to the playoffs. And the Bears, who will have a, either a rookie quarterback or Andy Dalton. Why would he leave? He's has a better chance of making it to the Super Bowl in Green Bay than he does in Denver. Oh, that's right. Aaron Rodgers just got engaged. And where's his fiance from and live? Oh, she lives in Colorado. When you have when you have a guy, normally, normally the, the a guy will come with two kinds of complaints. If he's if you have a guy working for you, and the first the you the real basic, either money, hey I don't think I get paid enough, or hours. What hours am I working? What hours can I work? The schedule. Hours can I work slash uh, days off. Most guys don't really care about what days they're working or what hours they're working. It's a job. It's work. But when you start working, let's say, some funny hours, like you start working a graveyard shift or you start working uh, super early in the morning, well, now you're not there. Now you're not sleeping next to your wife. Now you're not there when your wife wakes up. The wife's going to have a problem with this after a while. And usually when a guy brings that to his manager or brings that to the owner of the company, that's not a complaint on his behalf. That's the wife telling him, hey, I don't like this. Fix it. So if Aaron Rodgers isn't the happiest in Green Bay, and we know that to be fact, and he's looking around saying, okay, what team could I go to? And his fiance is looking at him going, well, I'm from here, and I live here, and we could both make, we could both have our primary jobs be here. Where do you think you should go? Pay the staff. When you hire a guy, you're hiring his wife. Both apply to Aaron Rodgers. Don't me wrong. As a Broncos fan... I'm excited if we get Aaron Rodgers. I will I will jump for joy, scream, shout, do all that good stuff. Um, but saving that for Tuesday, Team Tuesdays, um, we'll get into some Pelican and Bronco stuff. That'll be an every Tuesday thing. Let's let's stay in the NFL. I'm going to give you guys my top five. Um, now, remember how I did this last year is I didn't do a top ten because I didn't feel like there was ten teams I don't like top 10 lists when it comes to power rankings generally because you're kind of just doing it for like top 10s for like clickbait, right? Like everybody loves lists. I love lists. But when you're in that 10 through 8 spot, people are just kind of throwing you on there just to throw you on there. 
because they don't really think that you can compete. They don't really think that you're one of the best teams in the league. It's just like, well, ten of the uh, ten a top ten for the NBA is a third of the league. A top ten for the NFL is almost practically a third of the league. A top ten for baseball would be a third of the league. So this is my top five, and I'm gonna do this each week, right? Um, for right now. Uh, for this week especially, I will have a top five for my NFL on today. I will have my top five NBA on Wednesday, and I'll have my top five baseball. I'm going to flip flip that. I'm sorry. Top five baseball will be on Wednesday. Top five NBA will be on Friday. But we're not going to do top ten because ten through eight, I'm not. I I just don't think that those those spots unfortunately really matter if you're trying to really nail who is a championship team. This is different than what I talked about the Knicks. This is not what I think is the most exciting or the most well-built or the most uh, or best for the NBA. This is simply a power rankings. Who are the best of the best? So our way too early, hard foul, top five teams. Number five, it's Aaron Rodgers. Wherever he goes, whether it's Denver, if he stays in Green Bay, um, if he ends up somewhere else, that team's automatically Super Bowl team. They are. Team's automatically Super Bowl team if you just have Aaron Rodgers on your team and you don't mortgage everything to get him in terms of players. I don't care if you mortgage a draft capital. That's a draft capital when you have Aaron Rodgers is irrelevant. But as long as you are not trading away the core of your team, Aaron Rodgers on any team he decides to go to, that is a top five team in the league. I was it was torn here. Um between uh, Aaron Rodgers and what I thought the best overall roster might be. Uh, But Aaron Rodgers beats out the best overall roster's quarterback, and that matters so much, especially when you are the caliber of quarterback Aaron Rodgers is. So whatever team Aaron Rodgers go to, they're number five. My number four, I probably have them too high, is the L.A. Rams. The L.A. Rams... Almost, they got to the playoffs and almost won a playoff game with Jared Goff playing terribly. I don't think Jared Goff is a terrible quarterback, but Jared Goff was playing terribly. This is a, and I'm one of those people who I'm really high on Matthew Stafford. I think that obviously with his conditions in Detroit, there was not really a lot of chances to be successful. So I'm not putting that all on him. So Matthew Stafford, this defense, still a good group of receivers, an offensive line that's going to be, uh, Sean McVay is probably going to have to do some scheming to help his offensive line. Um, they did lose the tight end, Gerald Everett, and they did lose their safety, Johnson. That does hurt. But Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, Matthew Stafford, like they still got guys everywhere. Um, like I said, I'm probably a little high on the Rams, but I'm okay with that. This is still one of the best rosters in the league, and especially with the Saints in the NFC having to come down um, due to Drew Brees' retirement. And... I'm not as sold on Seattle as everybody else. I love Russ, but I'm not sold on Seattle as a whole. I think the Rams are the Rams in Seattle are the two super high-end players on so-so rosters, and I like the Rams more so than the Seahawks. Number three, uh, the Ravens. This one you could argue I'm also probably a little too high on, but even with their last season being quote-unquote disappointing in terms of the regular season performance, a lot of people, and myself included, had them going 15-1, 14-2. Still got to the playoffs. Lamar Jackson got the revenge game against Tennessee. 
Um, while you could argue, yes, they should have been in the AFC title game. Um, they lost to Buffalo. I'm, I have Buffalo coming back down a little bit. Um, that's just me. And that's really just due to the fact of, like I said, Buffalo is in a division with New England and Bill Belichick, I don't go against, especially two years in a row. I think New England's going to be better. I think Buffalo will be closer to New England now um, than they were last year, whereas everybody in the AFC East just fell on their face. Um, so, yeah, I got, I'm got. i taking Lamar and the Ravens over Josh Allen and the Bills. Uh, the Bills would be in my top ten if I was doing a full top ten, but I don't have them in my top five. Number two, Kansas City. It's Patrick Mahomes. They helped their offensive line. They still have Patrick Mahomes. Receivers are still there. They still have Patrick Mahomes. Andy Reid is the head coach. And, oh, yeah, they have Patrick Mahomes. That's that's If you have Patrick Mahomes, you're one of the two best teams in the league. Sorry. And number one, it's Tampa Bay. And it's not really close. You win the Super Bowl in dominating fashion. You return all 22 players who started. You return your top, I believe it was top 31 in terms of total snaps played last year. So you're bringing backups back. Um, These are third, fourth receivers, second tight ends, offensive linemen, uh, rotational defensive linemen. Like, it's Tom Brady. We don't go against Tom Brady. We don't go against Bill Belichick. The, the, The Bucks are stacked. This has never happened in the Super Bowl era where you bring back all 22 guys. You bring back, like I said, the top 30-plus in terms of snap count. Um, It's incredible. It's just incredible. There's no other way to describe it. Honorable mention, um, I know I said the the Bills would be a number 7 team. uh, But number 6, I believe, would be Cleveland. And that's because I think Cleveland has, besides Tampa Bay... Cleveland might have the best roster in the NFL. But I'm not there yet with Baker Mayfield. And I've seen, and I'm now I'm really, as you transition out here, I'm really, I give a lot to quarterbacks. Because I've seen teams have really good rosters, and their quarterbacks just not be as good as the other guy, and that's all that matters. It is such a, it is such a huge factor and how great is your quarterback versus the other guy, that even if the other team is built, if the other team is better in every way, shape, or form, but you got the better quarterback, and it's substantially better, makes all the difference. I think the Niners had a better team than the Chiefs two years ago. Patrick Mahomes is much better than Jimmy Garoppolo. I believe the Chiefs had, the Chiefs and Bucks was a toss-up in terms of roster. Brady outplayed Patrick Mahomes. Thus, dominating Super Bowl. It matters. So, we are going to skip. Normally, this is where I would put in another little interlude, but um, I'm running short on time here as far as my own recording versus when I have to be at work. So, we're just going to skip that and go straight into um, draft fallout here. So, tomorrow, I'm going to explain why we really saw Mahomes' true impact in the draft. That's tomorrow. So be excited. Uh, So be ready for that. Tomorrow we're going to lead off the show with Patrick Mahomes' actual impact on his first sign of actual impact, and it came in the draft. 
NFL.com and ESPN and uh, NFL Network, everybody rushes out to give draft grades. And I'm on I'm on the side of I think draft grades are a bunch of bullshit. You can't a let's let's start here. If Trevor Lawrence works, the Jaguars have the best draft in the world. And the the Jaguars had the best draft in the entire league if Trevor Lawrence is who we think Trevor Lawrence is gonna be. Because no one is gonna put more value and add more value to their team than Trevor Lawrence to the Jaguars. Is what it is. If all the rookie quarterbacks hit, which never happens, but if Trevor Lawrence is great and Zach Wilson is great and Justin Fields is great and Trey Lance is great, yeah, Mac Jones is great. Those five teams had the best draft because you're not going to add more value to your team than being a great quarterback versus being a great defensive end or a great corner. Now, there's teams who I like the direction they went. I like Miami's draft. Um, I like the Chargers draft. I liked the idea behind Denver's draft. Um, they basically said, hey, Vic, we're going to try to get Aaron Rodgers for you, but otherwise it's just it's you're a defensive guy. We're going to give you a bunch of defensive players and make something happen. So I like teams that have direction. I like teams that have a philosophy. I like teams that have an idea. But you can't grade a draft, especially right after it happens. You could think, oh, well, I like this player and I like this player. But I've liked, we've, everyone's seen a bunch of players that they've liked who do great in college and don't do anything in the NFL. Seattle, I saw um, the graphic from Pete Carroll's first draft and where he got K.J. Wright and he got Richard Sherman and he got um, um, the receiver, uh, I'm drawing a blank right now on his name, uh, Doug Baldwin. And he got, like, he got all these players. They were all third round and later. So was Pete, did he have a great draft? Or did he just get the right players at the right time? And how would you draft grade him when, let's be honest, most people are making their draft grades based off your first and second round picks. Now, I believe teams got better this offseason. If you want to go the offseason as a whole, if you want to include free agents and the draft, I think the Chargers got a lot better. I think the Browns got a lot better. I think the Jaguars will be better because I am high on Trevor Lawrence. I think the Bears had a good offseason, um, especially being able to get up in the draft to get Justin Fields. That stuff, I believe, happens. But to give grades right out the gate, nah, we're not here. Moving on. To our final segment, like I said, we had to be, I had some audio issues with my microphone to start today. Um, Time-wise, I'm running up here really hard against work. So today's show is shorter. Um, generally, it will be about 50, 55 minutes to an hour is my goal um, per each day. About six, seven topics. But we end today's show, as we always do, with something only I would understand. And as always... It's not something that only I would understand, but it's how my brain works. This is how we got to here. I never knew how to feel when you see a great player age. 
because I am always stuck in the mindset of I saw this guy when he was great and I just kind of always associate him with greatness. Clayton Kershaw is not who he was five, six years ago. I still associate Clayton Kershaw with being the best pitcher in baseball. One of. Justin Verlander was not is not as great as he was four or five years ago. I still associate Justin Verlander with being an MVP and a Cy Young Award winner. Miguel Cabrera. Those Marlins years. The MVP Triple Crown years in Detroit. My, when I think of a great player in any sport, I associate them with their greatness. So for me, it is always really hard and it takes my brain time to actually consider and break down and figure out what is going on when these great players decline. Albert Pujols was designated for assignment. When I saw that, my head, it exploded. I couldn't think. Albert Pujols, like three-time World Series champion, Albert Pujols, the best player in baseball from 2000 to 2010, the $300 million contract, Albert, that Albert Pujols, the, the guy who used to play first base for the Cardinals, he was designated for, excuse me? And I had to, I saw the headline on Twitter, and I had to go confirm. I was like, wait, what? This this isn't right. Not Albert Pools. Albert Pools can't be designated for assignment. He's Albert Pools. He's one of the five greatest right-handed hitters of all time, future Hall of Famer, greatest player of a decade. There's no way he was designated for assignment. This is the reality of getting older. This is the reality of... Pujols has been objectively bad for several years. When he first got to the Angels, like I said, I have that time frame where I just won't associate you with bad. I'm always going to associate you with your greatness. So when he had those first that first year with the Angels, I didn't count. Um, and I kept saying, oh, well, he was injured, so I'm not, not holding that against him. Then he came back the following year, and he so-so. I think he still hit 30 home runs, but it was a so-so year for what was Albert Pujols standards at the time. And I was like, well, you know, he was still recovering from the injury and like he hit for power, but his average is down. It's, but it's still Albert Pujols. Then he had a 40 home run season. And I was like, oh, see, look, but he hit like 250. He was never Albert Pujols again after 2010. He had enough cliche and was respected enough and had accomplished enough that it got him realistically nine more years before he was designated for assignment. Supposedly the story is he was arguing and yelling at Joe Madden because Joe Madden took him out of the lineup. Now Joe Madden, I love Joe. Joe does a bunch of different things with his lineup. Joe has always done a bunch of different things with his lineup, his pitching staffs. He is part of that origin of that Tampa Bay do things a little bit differently system. So I'm not shocked if Joe pulled him out of the lineup. Joe might not have pulled him out of the lineup to be disrespectful. That's just what he does. Joe's had Joe's first really good teams in Tampa Bay. He would pull Carlos Payne and Evan Longoria. He'd have them bat leadoff sometimes. He'd have him bat third, have him bat sixth. Did a whole bunch of different things. Because that's what they did in Tampa Bay. 
Albert Pujols has been objectively bad for several years. But I will always associate Albert Pujols with his greatness. I will never associate him. Like when I think of Albert Pujols, it will be the World Series against the Rangers where he hit three home runs in a game. It will be the machine commercial from ESPN. It'll be the several year after year after year, 300 plus average, 35 to 45 home runs, 100 plus RBIs, best hitter in baseball, best player in baseball. That's how I will associate Albert Pujols. I used to do on the channel when I was really trying to get YouTube videos out a lot more often. I used to do greatness videos and just appreciate greatness. Albert and I only did I did like four or five of them. I think I did Kobe, LeBron, Albert Pujols, and um, uh, one or two more. But Albert was one of them. And think about that. I just said Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, Albert Pujols. Because that's where he is. He's in that level of greatness in regards to his sport. Trout obviously took over and became the best player for a decade. But prior to Trout, Miguel Cabrera had like a two-year run. But don't confuse yourself. Albert Pujols was the best player in baseball for 10 plus years. I will never associate him with designated for assignment. I hope it would be real cool. I'm normally not into this, but it'd be cool if the Cardinals did pick him up and he went there and got to end his career in St. Louis. But I will never, don't associate him with his lowest point. Associate with him with the greatness that he was. Hey, man. Appreciate you all for coming in today. Appreciate you for spending some time. You guys know what it is. Time's the most valuable thing of the day. I appreciate. I value mine. You should value yours. And I appreciate you for spending some of that value time here with me. This is Hard File Radio. I will see you tomorrow.